I also greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It is good to be back. Uh, feel grateful that, that I am back here. Monica asked me the other evening, we were, that evening that we had, uh, campfire here. She asked me, uh, in what way did this thing change my goals or change my ambitions? I have just a couple thoughts on, on what happened. One of the things is I was surprised again how fast destiny changes on a dime. None of us know exactly what's going to happen the rest of the day. And I, I was driven home again. I climbed the ladder and had a five bucket uh, of paint and a roller. And I got up on the ladder and I was enjoying the day. I was looking forward to it. And I walked to the peak to set the the paint bucket down. And on the way, I went through the roof. And all of a sudden, I was on the concrete. And I was confused and not knowing what happened there. And it's just like that. Destiny changes. And it could have been altogether different. It could have just been altogether different. One minute I'm enjoying, one second I'm enjoying the day, and the next second the neighborhood is gathered watching the EMTs cut my clothing off. And if you want the directions to Duluth, if you take 77 to 53, it takes you about an hour and a half. If you go through the skylight in building two, it takes you about 20 minutes to get to Duluth there. The other thing I was uh, on my mind, it gave me an awareness of what many of you went through. And, and I thought of Gaylord and Stan and Monica and many of others who have went through some health issues where you say, am I going to make it through here? And that was brought to my mind again. Dan went through some things. Um, Dorothy. And uh, it just gave me an appreciation for what you went through uh, in just a small way. I went through just a real little bump on the road and the health challenges that some of you, some of us face here. I just really, uh, uh, it made me aware of of what you're going through or what you went through a little bit more to where you go through a certain amount of pain and it changes your perspective. All of a sudden, I'm grateful and I'm literally thanking God for handles on my toilet to stand up with. And and I mean it from my heart. And it just, you go from, I'm going to do the roof to that in, in a blink of an eye there. And I just, uh, the other thing I learned through it is some of you people in uh, preschool and primary classes did cards for me. And I just wanted to say I really appreciated those cards. I was surprised how many people thought of it or cared. Are people who told me that they're praying for me. Annie delivered cards one day and she brought them over. All her friends had made some cards with her pictures in. Their pictures in thanks to all the preschool or primary classes who who did the cards. And for those of you who... 
I want to do better at remembering people in the things, the incidents they're going through, the, the struggles that they're going through. Uh, is one of the things, Monica, that has changed my, tweaked my thoughts. You know, up there in the hospital, they had this chart with ten little smiley face type things on it. And when you get towards ten, the smiley faces are not smiling. They're grimacing and they're struggling with life. And the nurse would ask me, uh, here's how we do this. And she'd say, on what number is your pain level there? And I was thinking about that. And as I thought of many of you, what you went through there and, and the long journeys back and that kind of thing. You know, all of us here live our life wondering between a one and a ten. Where life is pain free, or you have no pain, or ten is unbearable, and sometimes it's a tooth. Todd's dealing with a abscessed tooth, and he's got a week of meetings coming up. Pray for him. Uh, an abscessed tooth. Ruthie said that the abscessed tooth she had while I was in the hospital was worse than the eye surgery that she had, just the, the pain level. But all of us here spend our lifetime somewhere in between that one and the ten. And we never know what's around the next corner. Uh, and I, I hesitate to say this because I've not went through anything, but maybe it's acceptance of where we're at in our health. It's not wrong to, t- to take care of our bodies and to try to do what we can. We take a vitamin. It doesn't do anything, but it makes us feel better. We eat well, we eat our veggies, and that too doesn't seem to do anything, but again, that makes us feel like we're doing what we can. But we have these things we struggle with, and life, and we go through it. And I, the reason I accept to say it, I, I kind of hesitate to say this, because there's people, Jerry's sitting here as a miracle among us there, and have went through some incredible things where they weighed the possibility of being here next year or that kind of thing. But I I think there might be an acceptance of what we're going through. I don't know. Ruthie has a plaque that says, life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Maybe that's... But I know one thing, it's being grateful for the blessings that God gives us, the health that God gives us. And I... I don't do that as much as I should. When you have a pain-free day, or you're not dealing with a 7 or an 8 or a 9 or a 10. And my pain level, I always, you know, at the first couple of days were a little bit bumpy, and the nurse would make me stand up and say, what's your pain level right now? And um, I never felt like I could conscientiously tell her above eight because I would feel like I'm being a little dramatic. But in my own self-pity, sometimes it felt like uh, it was eight. But I, I feel grateful. I get a, 
I have a Twitter account where I follow some pastors and some you can follow what your interests are. <coughs> and I get one tweet every day. He sends out one tweet and it says, you're going to die someday. And you say, boy, Claire, that sounds morbid. But I think more morbid is if all my goals and aspirations and aims are aimed at this short thing we call life. And I put no thought into the fact that pretty soon I'm going to die. I think that's morbid when we plan just for for what we're looking at now. So we're going to Proverbs 11. I was at the doctor, yes, uh, Wednesday, and he kept saying, all I can say is you're a fortunate man. And I feel a little bit like uh, when you almost have an accident. I was in the, I think it was double end, and I was texting or something and driving. I was multitasking, and there's a turn there. And... For a long time, it looked like I wasn't going to go around that corner, and I was going too fast. And for the, and then I slowed down, and I quit texting. And for the rest of the day, I felt grateful, because I didn't wreck the vehicle. And that's kind of how I felt when the doctor uh, shared with me. He said, here's where you broke your foot, and if it would have been here, you would have had a lot more to deal with. Here's where your six ribs are broke. If they would have been here, you'd have more. Here's where your lung was collapsed. Here's a picture of it. Here's where your shoulder was broken. And I said, wait, was my shoulder broken? He said, yeah, right here. But if it would have been here, you'd have had a lot more to deal with. They told me my shoulder was broken, but then they quit saying it, so I quit saying it. (laughs) But it got really black and blue as if I, I kept showing anybody who wanted to see it that it was it was touchy there. I look at Proverbs as God's Twitter account where he says a statement. And I like Twitter because my attention span. And here's just a couple of Twitters that I liked in the last couple uh, weeks. And I shared this, I think. And if your reading the Bible causes me to scrutinize others more than I scrutinize myself, then I am not reading the Bible correctly, somebody wrote. And somebody wrote, hold close to scripture sufficiency or you will never know what to hold to. And I like these one-liners and I like these thoughts and I, I throw them out there because that's what Proverbs is to me. God's Twitter account. And he has a thought and he just lays it out there. Sometimes it needs a little bit of, you can't run with it the whole way. You need a little bit more to go with, but he wants you to think of that one thought. One guy wrote, he's a guy that I follow, unappreciated pastor, he calls himself. And he said, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, and we were so close this Wednesday night. So, just an encouragement, uh, a happy thought there. We're getting there. We almost made it. God often tweets about wisdom, about money, about relationships, about kindness, about listening to advice. And some of them do need 
thought through and qualifications and like there's one in 26 that says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. And then the next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. Or he think he, if you don't answer him or correct him, he think he's going to think he's right. But those are two, they look like they fight with each other, but I think, I think as you uh, think through them, those, both of those statements are right. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. We're just going to bounce on a couple and, and it's just some, how do I decide which to bounce on the three or four that I'm going to share today? Um, just, I don't know, how does my mind work? But those were the, the ones in the first one here I thought we'd look at a little bit and consider. The Lord hates a dishonest scale. A fair deal is what He likes. Not, not taking advantage of somebody. And I always thought it was, when I picture this verse, I always pictured what I thought was a Norman Rockwell painting, but Leslie Thrasher was actually the one who painted it, and it was in the front of the, the Washington Post years ago where the lady had her hand on the bottom of the balancing scale, and the man had, the butcher had his finger, or the grocer had his finger, and that's what I always look at when I think of a false balance. But it's mentioned, this thing of, Dealing in fairness is mentioned so often in Proverbs and so often throughout the Bible. And uh, I, I shared this again. It came to my mind because I kind of put it with this scripture. So I'm getting old. You won't have to listen to it much often, but much more often. But I remember the day Ruthie and I both can recall. We worked with a grocer, and I remember the Saturday that Pappy Burkholder came back and he said, hey, we still have like four boxes of baloney ends. Uh, they used to make sandwiches and they, somebody who just used uh, the, the whole pieces would cut the baloney ends off and we'd sell them as baloney ends and cheaper. And they were getting slimy. They were past their day of good use. And he said, uh, rinse them off and put them in the case. I think we can get rid of some of them this afternoon yet. So we, as the help, rinsed them off and put them in the case and sold them. And Ruthie remembers how chicken don't get slimy like that as much as quick, but it, it gets a smell that you can tell by. And if you rinse that off in ice cold water, that smell temporarily, very temporarily goes away. And you, her... Ritter used to tell her, wash the chickens and put them in the case. Um, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. And there's so many ways that we are tempted to be guilty of that. Fluff it up. You, you sell a car. Wendell was telling me of somebody who was at a garage sale and found a tool that he needed, but it was priced wrong. It was priced at like $10, and it was worth 300 And he told the person that was selling it, hey, I need this, but you have the wrong price on it. It's worth much more. It's worth more like 300 and I need it. And he paid 300 for it. 
Who of you here would have done that? Think about it. We can all look at ourselves in these things there. Who, who of us would have said, I'd rather pay an extra 290 to have it be a fair deal? What this scripture here is for us to tweak our mindset to what can I buy this for? Or what can I do this? Or what can I get away with? To what's going to be fair for everybody involved? Um, and it just, uh, it's one of those things that we deal with daily. And there's a practical side of this. Many of you who have businesses deal with customers and in a day of age where the customer is always right. It's hard sometimes to, to know what to do. And we all are put to the test daily, I believe, on, on this kind of thing. And, it, and the, these kind of verses are here, so it tweaks our minds away from how can I come out on top? The shrewdness or the smoothness of a good deal for me. What's in it for me? And it tweaks our thinking to what's fair? What's, what's fair for everybody involved? What's fair for my employer? If, if I'd be doing what I do and I'd be the boss, would my employer be happy with that? Or as an employee or as an employer that has people working for him, if I would work for me, would I be happy? Uh, Wendell says his boss, and I don't know if I shared this with some of you, but his boss says, my goal in life is to provide jobs that people can live with. And I asked Wendell, okay, so what does he mean by jobs that people can live with? And he said, his definition of jobs that people can live with is a living wage and 45 hours. I, I'm not here. That, I'm not condemning anybody. I have look. I have enough to sweep my own doorsteps on this. But these things are challenging to us. A, a lady came up one evening, and she was fussing, if I may, about a shed that we delivered. I forget the details. And I said. That's no problem. Uh, I'm sorry about that. We'll give all your money back and we'll come and pick the shed up. And I knew that's not what she wanted. That looks so spiritual, but it wasn't. I was putting on my most, I really care voice. And it didn't quite get through. And she said, no, I'm just, and I forget the details, which is good. But then her husband came and he said, you really made my wife mad. And I said, hey, I'm sorry about that. He said, yeah, but she, she, uh, yeah, he, was, he was on my side of it. And he, but could you at least do this? And I forget what it was. And I said, yeah, whatever. How do we want to resolve it? I read uh, just a day ago where somebody wrote a, a restaurant and they said, I'm coming there, but I have a lot of food allergies, and I'd like you to make this and this, and I don't, I'm bringing eight people, and I don't want to pay the same as if I'm getting a whole meal. And he, they went back and forth with real curt emails, 
with him ending and said, you know what, this isn't the restaurant for you. You should go somewhere else. And then he put the whole thing online for people to read. And we live in a day where it's a challenge. People are spoiled. People are actually expecting more than their fair share. And so to live this out, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is His delight. Like for instance, you can send off for Amazon and you can say, I'm going to buy these five pair of shoes and send all of them back but one or maybe I'll send all of them back. And that's okay with Amazon. And they don't know what to do with them that were out because some of them were used. So a lot of that stuff gets uh, shipped somewhere else. But in each case, not is this how people operate today, but how would I want, what's fair here? What is fair? I know I'm not going to keep these things. I'm going to just send them back and they're going to pay for them back. What is fair? The, the scale of justice. I like, I like how God in his tweet pictured a scale of justice. Our, our, uh, our FBI and our, uh, our law system often have a scale of justice. Like if you're a lawyer, you often have that on your card, a scale of justice. And I was interested to read that years ago, they made uh, aspiring lawyers read and memorize the book of Romans because it gives you such a, it lays everything out so nice and it, it lays, lays it out for you to see. And I was, I was interested in that, but uh, God's interest in this is really strong. Uh, through the Bible, there were so many verses, but in, in Jeremiah, he's telling the guy, look, go out on the street. Go back and forth. King James, roam to and fro on the streets of Jerusalem. And take note and seek in her open squares if you can find a man, if there is one who does justice, I'll save the city. And, you know, somehow I was thinking, boy, we want to be different than that. You know, when you get ripped off by somebody who's a heathen and could care less about anything in his life, it hurts. But when you get ripped off by a Christian, it really seems to smart. It just really... And yet, all of us, when we buy and sell, have this tendency to look out for ourselves. We all kind of say, without saying it, what's in it for me? How can I come out okay? Jesus said it like this, Therefore all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye all, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Here's the bottom line. Here's what matters. You can look as pious as you want here Sunday morning and I can come up here and I can stand here and I can preach to you. But here's what matters. That when you do a deal, when you have an employee, when you have an employer, when you do a deal, that you look out for the other person. James says it like this, Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields. 
which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Reaching down in the chapter a little further, we're in chapter 11. There's a couple of verses side by side. There is that scattereth and yet increases, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Let that soak in. There's, there's a, a good lesson there. And the next one, the liberal soul, or the, the person that gives, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Catch that truth. Uh, hang on to that. Sig said it like this, when you help enough other people get what they want, you can get what you want. It's that Sig Ziglar used to say it like that. The Bible says, there is that scattereth. You see somebody that holds things pretty tight and makes sure they come out and kind of makes sure that they're on the top, that they get the best of the deal. And yet it doesn't seem like the, at the end of the day they're very blessed. And I'm not trying to, to, to say this tweet has no limitations or preaching uh, gospel that if you do what you should do, you'll get rich. But there is, the, it seems like a principle. I think I've seen it in my life that there's people that hang on pretty tight and sometimes they just don't get nowhere. And there's people that are one of the first to give and you see the Lord blessing. And I know that can happen. I know the Lord does that. I know there's truth. in, in uh, Where does He say it in Isaiah? I'm going to I'm going to make like your bags have holes in it. You're going to work as hard as you want. You're going to be as diligent as you want, but your bags are going to have holes in it. Or doesn't he say one place, I'm just going to blow on it a little bit? And so uh, these principles work, and God delights in a fair deal. I jump down to verse 9. A hypocrite... With his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. And pulling verse 13 in, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. To undermine, to tear down, to destroy, to expose a flaw or weakness, to throw somebody under the bus... A person who habitually reveals personal or sensational facts about other ones. It hurts when we're on the receiving end, doesn't it? When people talk bad about us. A hypocrite, it says. An hypocrite. It makes a inference there. With his or her mouth destroyeth his neighbor. And we're so prone to do that, aren't we, gang? We're so... It's, it's so normal for us, men or women, school children, to sit together and discuss a flaw that somebody else, or a struggle that somebody else is going through. A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. We had a neighbor that came to us. And they make a statement and you never forget it. And we were talking about a house that burned down back our road. And the neighbor said, um, I don't want to say too much, but I think he burned it down for the insurance money. Well, you can't take those words back. 
And in the front of my mind is always, I believe he burned that down for the insurance money. But I don't know that he did. Um, Love says that you'll give each other the benefit of the doubt. Your friends are your enemies, are your neighbors, but that you'll you'll think the best of each other. Uh, the love chapter says that there. That you'll that you'll say, ah, I wonder, and it'll die with you there. But boy, that's juicy gossip there. I want to pass that on. I I just feel it feels pretty good passing that on. And I want to pull another verse since I think that we have as Christians, not here just specifically, but I think that that it's a tendency for us to throw each other under the bus here. Not here. Other places. Like Lancaster County or something like that there. I want to pull another verse in here that fits with all kinds of verses, but uh, 21, Though hand join hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished but the seed of righteousness shall be delivered. Just because everybody's doing it, it would still be really good if we would quit it. If we would say, no, it's going to die with me here. But that's hard. But we were sitting um, out at the campfire and here at church that other, and somebody said, hey, you know, we really appreciate how it's going here in Northwoods right now. We just really count our blessings. How do we keep what we have? Good question. And I think bickering at one another, picking on each other's struggles or flaws or blind spots is a good way to destroy a church. And I think the thought of, well, everybody does it, uh, is answered in that there one little tweet that the Lord said, you know, just because everybody's does it, uh, you know, we look at America and in the last 50 years, a lot of the things have changed on what they stand for. Like a lady up at the store said, well, you know how they do there her, about her children. They're shacking up together. Well, that doesn't change. You know how they do today. Uh, but that doesn't change whether that's right or wrong. And just because everybody's doing it isn't a good reason to justify ourselves or to say, okay, it must be all right because everybody's doing it. There was a, though hand join in hand, wickedness shall not go unpunished. Uh, In 1929, there was a Chicago um, outlaw. Anybody know who it was? Al Capone. So... Al Capone owned all the cops and he owned about everybody and those who wouldn't work with him that he couldn't pay off he would bump off and he his his reach from the alcohol and from all the things that he was doing was reaching not only in Chicago but all over the place and he was making millions and millions of dollars and there was a young catch this guys 26 year old that was working for uh, the treasury. He was a treasury agent, and his name was Elliot Ness. And he had 11 hand-picked people, and they started going after Al Capone. And Al Capone tried to threaten him. He had one of his friends killed. He 
put a was going to put a contract out on these, but he tried a softer approach at first. He sent a friend with an envelope of two thousand dollars, and Elliot was making good money back then in 1929. He was making twenty nine hundred bucks a year. So in this envelope was two thousand cash, and he was known. He was told this can be a weekly occurrence. You can get this every week, but you got to back off from Al Capone. And he gave this guy his envelope back and he said, you tell him that there is no way that we can be bought. And then he called the newspaper in and he said, I was just offered $2,000 a week for uh, this here. And we're tilting forward on this here. And... Uh, That's the headlines in the newspaper. Ness and his men are untouchable. And I like that picture. I wish when it came to talking bad about people, that people would understand that we here don't do that. And it's got to start with all of us individually. But as I I read this here and as I thought about this and studied this, I wish people would know when you deal with them, you're getting a fair deal. And they are not going to throw you under the bus. A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. They don't do that. I wish they'd know that we're untouchable. That no amount of... of um, can't think of the words. No amount of money, no amount of influence is going to, to get us. I see I am where I normally quit. Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And uh, I love this here verse, and I love what it means to us as Christians. Uh in, in a Christian circle, if we can listen to one another. And so often in our lives, we find out that the person that we respect the least has a little nugget that we know, that we should know, that would give us balance, that would give us what we need for what we're facing right now. But we kind of uh, don't listen to one another oftentimes. Are we kind of, maybe are intimidated or marginalized because of our view or often held hostage by somebody with whatever. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus at night and he was thinking about, was sitting in a meeting like this. And he said, now wait a minute, they were discussing killing Jesus, the church leaders. And he said, now wait a minute, doesn't our law, he was one of the inner group there, he was one of the, one of the big guys, doesn't our law say that we're not to judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they're doing? And the room got quiet and they stared at him and they said, in essence, are you one of them? And nobody else said anything. Surely you're not also from Galilee, are you? Search 
as you will, you'll see that there's no prophet comes out of Galilee. Are you one of them? And the advice they needed, Nicodemus had in his heart. He had met Jesus by night because he was scared. LB in Sunday school was sharing uh, about an Amish group that were working through some, some things. And that gentleman is a perfect snapshot of intimidation. And I'm so glad that, that we sit down and we work through these things. Because when we stop that, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. There's a safety when we do it God's way. When we sit down and hash through these hard, and sometimes they're not easy, and sometimes they, they look good and aren't, and sometimes they aren't good but would be good, you know. And, and so it's hard, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Often, like in Job and his counselors, often the advice we need are the ones that we're bugged at right now. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, that's Proverbs 15, Proverbs 24, Proverbs 27, Aaron sharpeneth Aaron, one man sharpeneth another, and Second Peter 1.20, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. And lastly, if we can do this, how much further we can get working together than getting my way. How much further we as a, as a group, the, the synergy of everybody's heard of that story where they, in Canada, they took two horses, one pulled 8,000 pounds and one pulled 9,000 pounds. So together they should be able to pull 17 or 18,000 pounds. No, together they pull 30,000 pounds. And if we have a situation where in the multitude of counselors, there's a safety that we can, we can, by God's design, go further than any of us will ever go on our own. <clears throat> Let's land this plane. You're going to die someday. When a wicked man dieth, it's out of our verses there, when a wicked man dieth, his expectations shall perish. But the hope, and the hope of the unjust man perisheth. The righteous is delivered out of trouble. Let's kneel for prayer if you can. Lord, we ask you to help us. You know how fragile we are in some of these things and you know how we struggle. Help us to hate a false balance and help us to seek fairness and justice in all the things that we do with all the people's lives that we touch. Lord, we know how often we speak about each other and how careless we can be. Forgive us and help us to build one another up. And Lord, where there is no counsel, people fall, and we just ask that you would help us, each of us, to accept the counsel that you have for us and that we stand in need of. 
Give us your wisdom and the desire to follow it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.